brothers and sisters, of the good news that I proclaim to you, which you in turn received, in which you also stand, through which also you are being saved, if you hold firmly to the message that I proclaim to you, unless you have come to believe in vain. For I handed on to you as of first importance what I in turn had received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture. I'm Allison. I'm Rob. And, and we're, we're Christ Haunted. Let us pray. Ata gibor le'olam Adonai, mechaye metim atarav lechoshia, mechahel ha'im ba'chesed, mechaye metim barachamim rabim, somech noflim v'rofecholim umatir asurim, umkayem emunatoli shene afar, mi chamocha bal givorot umidomelach, melech memit umchaye umatzmiach yeshua, v'neeman atalia chayot metim, Baruch Atadonai Machaye Hametim. Your might, O Lord, is boundless. You give life to the dead. Great is your saving power. Your loving kindness sustains the living. Your great mercies give life to the dead. You support the falling, heal the ailing, free the fettered. You keep your faith with those who sleep in dust. Whose power can compare with yours? You are the master of life and death and deliverance. Faithful are you in giving life to the dead. Praised are you, Lord, master of life and death. Amen. Hey, Allison. Hey, buddy. How's How you it going? Doing? doing good. Doing good. Glad to be back in the pod. I know. Studio. It's good. After our little... This is still season 1.5, but that was but like yeah. literally like... 1.55 I don't know it was yeah. it was really much in the middle so it's nice to be back and talking about scripture it is I like the big pods big pods big pods and today's a big pod it's a heavy pod and um we just hope we do it justice yeah so uh to get us back in the groove uh what are you drinking so I got a little overzealous and I went out <laughs> to my garden and I picked all these different botanicals to put in my gin and tonic so I picked rosemary Green coriander, which is just cilantro that's gone to seed. Um, what else did I do? Lemon balm and nasturtium, which is a beautiful flower that you can put in salads, but it's super peppery. So I put mm. all this in my glass. It looked like a bouquet, and I drank it. It was a little bitter. So now <laughs> we pulled all the botanicals out. I, it took a picture because Instagram. It was beautiful. It was pretty, and I took all of the botanicals out. Now I'm just sipping on it with... Um, with a rosemary sprig. With, with a different gin, it would probably work, but that gin, it was... It's just a lot. I'm drinking yeah. the Dingle Gin listeners. Go back one pod in the pod feed. Listen to me, to me talking about Dingle Gin from Dingle, Ireland. And listen and to me giggle about Rob it. Rob giggles all the time. Yeah. What are you drinking? So I'm drinking uh, Goodwood. It is a... <laughs> <laughs> we weren't going to have to put the explicit Dingle sign and Goodwood. One. Dingle and Goodwood. That's right. Uh, it's made in Louisville. Uh, it's, uh, it's I don't a, think I knew that. Yeah, Goodwood's made in Louisville. It's 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 a pretty good, but my favorite of all the stuff they make is the Spruce Tip IPA. So they make a regular pale ale with a lot of hops, and then they rest it on spruce tips to age it. Ooh. It is so Can good. I try it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, it's almost it's almost there's a lot there. Minty and, yeah. and good and oh it, yeah, it's it's. But you gotta like an IPA because it's like yeah. an IPA and then like boom, it's got spruce. Yeah, actually, one spruce. of my. Uh, it, it, I, one of my favorite beers that I've ever had was in um, Philadelphia. There's a, a little brewery that makes old-fashioned beers. And one of the... They make... Uh, not just old-fashioned. They make beers from recipes from Founding Fathers. 
And I think it's actually oh, called Founding cool. Fathers Brewery. Very cool. Uh, yeah, and so they have uh, George Washington's Porter, and they have Thomas Jefferson, who cares, because, you know, slavery. <laughs> and uh, Ben Franklin's spruce beer which was made wow. a beer made with spruce tips just like this and so That's it's cool. it, it was a little less ipa than this but it was so good and i actually had the recipe and one day i'm gonna get brave and make it yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. so we could do a pod sometime listeners of all we should just try to make alcoholic beverages like maybe they would have drank drank drunk drunk drinking <laughs> would have way drunk. back when yes these letters were written i like this that'd be cool Cool. Because Rob has made, what have you made, celery wine? Celery wine and beet wine. Weird and stuff, man. Yeah, gra- grapefruit wine. That one was a Ooh. disaster. Um, I still have some of that if you want to try how disastrous it is. So, Ooh, uh, that could be, like, if we start a, a do Kickstarter, we could send you really bad grapefruit wine <laughs> as The celery wine was so good, though. <laughs> Super so. enticing. Yeah. Well, okay. cheers, Allison. Cheers. Welcome back to the pod. <sighs> <laughs> All right, listeners, so now that we're finally back to doing the pod and back to talking about scripture, we're going to finish up Paul's first letter to the Corinthians today. Get it done. Yup. That means chapters 15 and 16. So I've been given the task of explaining kind of what's going on in 15 and 16. I'll start by saying chapter 15 is so meaty and so significant (laughs) to Christian understanding of our faith and the resurrection. But entire books have been written about just chapter 15 and we're just doing a pod while we drink beer and gin so (laughs) so lower your expectations a bit or raise them because we're going to question some fundamental shit from the church it'll be fun it'll be really fun but what what happens in 15 and 16 is 15 is paul's big exposition of what he believes about the resurrection and what's really important i think to understand especially if you crack open your bible and you read it real quick is that we as moderns bring to the text our own understanding of a, a duality between the body and the spirit, which really didn't exist um, for Paul and for the people that Paul was writing to. There wasn't this dualistic understanding that the body and the, the spirit or the soul or whatever were completely separate. Mm. Um, there so were t- a few philosophers like uh, Epicurus, but like they were they were not the mainstream at this moment in history. Like, you know, Paul was in a stoic camp. So like... He definitely was not holding that up as the ideal. So Yeah. Yeah. And so when Paul talks about the resurrection of the body, first of Christ and then of those belong- that belong to Christ, he's not thinking about just the resurrection of the spirit, as we might consider it, or just the body, but it's a continuity. Um, you could think of it like a seed. The seed and the plant that grows from the seed are the same life form. They're part of a continuity of existence. So think about the seed and the plant. Um, much like the plants I put in my gin and tonic. <laughs> um, and then lastly, chapter 16 is like a travel log of where Paul is planning to go next. And also saying, be nice to those I send mm-hmm. to you. They're nice. Be nice. <laughs> We're all nice. <laughs> There's a story about that. We'll tell in another pod. Ooh. Be nice. Um, and then he leaves with some really beautiful, again, just soaring kind of poetry and exhortations to yeah. the community in Corinth. Yeah, absolutely. And so the matrix that we find ourselves uh, sitting in, we we try to uh, not use context here because context, I think, feels limiting to people. Uh, We use the word matrix instead because it feels more expansive. And we try to find... All-encompassing. All-encompassing, right? We try to find fun and interesting uh, (laughs) metaphors 
to help understand it. So uh, a, a couple months ago, my dad sent me this uh, uh, YouTube video of kids today in 2018 trying to use rotary phones. And it's amazing because, like, a couple of them are looking for the screen and a couple of them are, like, twisting the dial. But then they look and go, how does this thing work? And my favorite piece <laughs> is a couple of the kids, like, they, they dial the number. They figure out how the rotary works. Like, and yeah, shh, shh, yeah, so they dial the number. <laughs> and then they pick up the receiver. Because on your iPhone... You dial and you, you push dial, call. And then you dial and then you push call, right? And, and, and like... Oh, so funny. And so on a rotary phone, that, that's how they know how to use a phone. So uh, it's really cute. And we'll post a link to it with the, with the description. Well, that's a good connection between the perception that we as moderns are bringing to the text right. thinking about like body and spirit are separate mm-hmm. um that's that's like we're bringing an iphone <laughs> to a rotary oh yeah you know absolutely so that that's actually really a metaphor i didn't know where you were gonna where you were gonna take that but i like it i didn't know i was taking it there but i'm glad you got that a, out of it there's a video right oh yeah yeah, yeah. We'll, so we'll, we'll post, post it in the pod it. notes yeah, yeah. And Good then, uh, so we need to talk about our rotary phone that we're bringing a little bit. Uh, and there's a little... <laughs> our rotary phone? Are we bringing iPhones? We're bringing iPhones. Okay. We, we need to get into the rotary, rotary headspace. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so to do that a little bit, um, we're going to talk about uh, a little bit of philosophy real quick. Just briefly, real briefly, compactly. And then we're going to talk about some Pharisaic Judaism. So Ooh. actually, let's start with Pharisaic Judaism. That first prayer, our opening prayer today, you might have noticed. Uh, <laughs> Rob, what language was that? <laughs> was was in Hebrew. Uh, and it was Hebrew that is ancient Hebrew. It's not modern Israeli Hebrew. It's ancient biblical Hebrew, basically. It's a, a little different, but it's related. Uh, and that is uh, the second prayer out of the, the the prayer service that you hear in synagogues every day. And that's actually one that's repeated every day. So it's seven days a week, hmm. three times a day that prayer is said. And that prayer, not those exact words, but the idea of that prayer, that God keeps faith even with those who sleep in the dust. I love that line that's so beautiful. much. It was beautiful in English. The translation's beautiful. The Hebrew is soaring, basically, yeah. um, in my opinion. That prayer, some form of that prayer has been said... Basically three times a day, seven days a week since... For like 2,000 years. For like 2,000 years. Over 2,000 years, right. It wasn't written down in the form we have it until the ninth century. But that same idea of that prayer has been said. You, you can find references to it in like the Mishnah, which is an early Jewish collection of legal rulings. And so this would have been a prayer that at least the idea of Paul was familiar with. Mm. Jesus was familiar with. This hope of the resurrection is not a new thing. And I think we get... And it's not uniquely Christian. And it's not uniquely Christian. It's very much Jewish. I think we get caught up as Christians thinking that we're the only people that do resurrection, but we're not. No. And it it was striking and profound in Paul's day, writing to pagans who didn't believe in the resurrection. Right. But writing to Jews, he would have been completely understood. They would not have... Many of the Jews, not all of them, the Pharisees particularly would have understood, oh, yeah, of course, the resurrection of the dead, the hope of the age to come. Yeah. We're all going to be resurrected. So these, it's all very Jewish categories yeah, of understanding. These yeah. pagans that he's writing to who have never maybe even met a Jew except the occasional Jew who comes through Corinth or the occasional Jew who lives in the Jewish quarter of Corinth. There's no synagogue in Corinth, so they've never been to a synagogue service. They've never heard prayers. They've never heard these prayers. So they're just off in left field. Mm. Uh, and so he has to explain this to them from the very foundations, which is why we get such a great chapter. Yeah, it's and then beautiful. The, 
And the other thing to go back to the seed and the and the mm. uh, plant metaphor, Philo. We've mentioned Philo on the pod before, but Who's just Philo? I say just Tell briefly. Us. He's Tell a us. Neoplatonic uh, philosopher. So Jewish philosopher. Jewish philosopher, yes. The early church actually thought he was a Christian, and then they realized <laughs> they were wrong and had to chisel Oops. him out of a bunch of churches. Whoops. Uh, and so Philo was a Neoplatonist, which means a couple of things, and I'm going to go very briefly. The first is that God is what's called an unmoved mover. God cannot change in any capacity, or else God can't be God. So to create the world, God had to have an intermediary. Now keep that in mind for when we talk about Jesus later. Hmm. The other thing, and this was actually um, something that Philo talks about directly, is he talks about the stamp, the earthly stamp and the heavenly stamp. And if you read the NRSV, it talks about this. And this was that creating force, actually stamping something on there. So there was a, like an earthly stamp and a heavenly stamp. And that's mm -hmm. how things, physical things, actual things got made. And then the last thing to understand about Philo is that uh, he actually wrote uh, also about the, the age to come, the, the life of the age to come, the world to come. And he said something really interesting. He says that the Genesis 1 account of creation, the seven days and the uh, God creates ma male and female, he creates them. This is a heavenly spiritual being. And then the creation in Genesis 2, where you yeah. have Adam and Eve and the apple and all that, that is the earthly man being created. So again, this platonic idea of mm. like a world where things are perfect and heavenly, and then a world of shadows where things are earthly, corrupt, whatever, however you want to think about that. And he, and he creates a distinction there. And so for Philo, there is a one-way stream that goes from the heavenly creation to an earthly creation and then continues an earthly creation to a heavenly creation. Mm -hmm. So we're going to get back to that later, but that's all in that's the exciting. matrix. This is this is some of the, the heaviest stuff we've done, and so thanks for my, sitting with my us. My head's already going... I know. My, my brains are exploding. It's great. Yeah. Right. So one of the points we wanted to discuss in 15 was the quintessential nature of the resurrection for Paul and Paul's understanding of the gospel that he's preaching. Mm -hmm. um, a little bit well, towards the eh, a fourth to the middle of 15, he says, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation has been in vain and your faith has been in vain. So there's a lot of talk he does where he's kind of step-by-step step building his argument for why there has been a resurrection. He starts 15 by talking about all the people to whom the risen Lord has appeared. Mm. And so Rob and I were just having a conversation before we started the pod about is being a Christian and believing in the resurrection dependent upon ex the experience of the risen Lord. Mm -hmm. And if so, what does that mean? Right. Because he's only appeared, as Paul says, to save us, then to the 12, then to 500, and then to James and the apostles, and last of all, as to when I'm timely born, he appeared also to me. Also to me. Also to me. Yes. So Paul is kind of indicating his importance mm. um, as, a, as a preacher of this gospel to the Corinthians. But I guess that's just an interesting question to me. Like, can, yeah. if, so you and I are not in that list. Right. Um, can, can we or can any of those who proclaim 
to be Christian today say that we've experienced the risen Lord? And if we do say so, which many I think would, what does that even mean? Yeah. So, yeah, this is something I wrestle with, especially uh, in formation. You know, I work, like I said, I work with college students and, you know, uh, many of them have been very fortunate to grow up in, in very privileged situations and have grown up in like these really nice places and have grown up in very nice churches. And Mm. I've had more than one student say to me, I've never met Jesus. And when I was in college, I would have probably said the same thing. Or at least I haven't met the risen Lord. Maybe I'd met Jesus. But, But like, I haven't had a transformational experience where I have seen the power of the resurrection. I have not seen God keep faith with the dead. Okay, fair Sheesh. enough. Right, and 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 in my personal experience, I met, I actually met the risen Lord first in the synagogue. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I when I was in college and a little after, I I was very involved at a local synagogue, and I, you know, went through some very transformational pieces in my life, and I I can't even really describe it, but just that the act of praying with this group of people and being accepted by this group of people and seeing what the faith of Jesus looks like in a different perspective 2,000 years on, Mm -hmm. you know. um, And then I remember once my eyes had been opened to what it looked like for God to keep faith with the dead, I remember being in Washington, D.C. and seeing my high school students helping a homeless woman with groceries by giving, giving to her their groceries. And not just the, not just like the can of green beans or whatever, but like giving her the good stuff. They went and raided our pantry and got the good stuff and gave it to her. You were the extra chunky peanut butter, like, you know, my (laughs) my favorite thing in the world. And I met the risen Lord in that. But is that what Paul's talking about? Yeah. And I think the jury's out. Like, I don't have an explanation for it. I think that, and I, I'm not going to give a testimonial now (laughs) because I would really have to think about it. But I think we both have had experiences in our life that are completely arresting Mm. and they elevate your experience of reality to a different plane and they show you a glimpse of something that doesn't that just kind of peeks through Mm -hmm. on earth but i think points to the hoped for kingdom yeah so is that what paul's talking about we don't know we don't know but we wanted to we wanted to drop that bug in your ear and let you let you chew on it too yeah Um, like how do we are we actually christians if we haven't experience the risen lord if we haven't experienced the risen lord but we believe in the risen lord like i yeah. don't know it's just a dilemma yeah i'm bruce chilton uh who's a famous author who i think you went, who to, I israel went to israel with, with. yeah <laughs> uh, that was cool that was when i was young and didn't appreciate fully what it meant to go to israel with bruce chilton <laughs> bruce chilton yeah but anyway uh he has a book on uh, rabbi paul it was his follow-up to rabbi jesus which i read them out of order so i'm reading rabbi jesus now and i i just finished rabbi paul and bruce chilton talks about um Essentially, Jesus training his disciples to see with the mystic eyes that Jesus saw with. Hmm. And I thought that was a really interesting way to, to put it. And so doing 1 Corinthians 15 right after hearing that, you know, in the West. And I think this is not going to come as a big surprise to anybody, particularly in Western American Christianity. Mysticism is like dead. non-existent. Yeah. Dead. yeah, I was going to say dead. And then I was like, well, God keeps faith with the dead. It's non-existent. Mm. Um hmm. Does God keep faith with non-existence? Oh, we'll talk about that in another pod. pod. We'll do philosophy of religion or something. Oh, God. Um, 
And and Jesus was inherently, in some capacity, a mystic just by reading what he does. He sees the world in a different way. With, right, in a different way with the layers peeled back. He doesn't see the world as it is. He sees the world as it is to be, as it is to come. Mm-hmm. You know, and so maybe even if you haven't had an experience of the risen Christ, maybe the thing I think about, there's a piece in a place that we haven't gotten to yet where it says, Paul, you've gone crazy because you've gotten too much learning. Maybe I'm just in that category, but like... Even if you have an experience of risen Christ, maybe it's enough to just see with the eyes that Jesus saw with, to be trained as one of his disciples. Mm, I like that. All right, listeners. So in all honesty, we sat down and recorded the entire 1 Corinthians chapters 15 and 16 pod at once. But in our editing process, we realized that just got into a lot of different meaty topics and we really needed to split it up so it was a lot more fun to listen to and absorb in two pieces. So we're going to end part one right now with the closeout that we recorded when we recorded the whole uh, two episodes together. So we hope you enjoyed this part one. Please tune back in next week for part two of 1 Corinthians chapters 15 and 16. Thanks for joining. Okay, listeners, so on the way out of this pod, I will say that I really struggled to read 15 and to stay focused on 15 (laughs) because all I kept hearing in my head was Handel's Messiah. So if you'll permit me, listeners, I will play you a bit right now. So listeners, that's all I thought about the whole time. It took everything in me to actually have a conversation without wanting to break out into song. So you're welcome. (laughs) And you're welcome too, Rob. I'm so grateful. I know. So I think we're going to, we're going to call it a pod. It was a lot. And thanks for suffering or making it through. Yeah. This is going to be fun. Yeah. A fun edit job. So for our closing prayer today, we're going to read actually the same prayer, and I'll read it again in Hebrew, and then Allison will read an alternative version. Melech me mit um chaye umatsmiach Yeshua, ben eman atalia chayot metim, baruch ataranai, mechaye hametim. Your power sustains the universe. You breathe life into dead matter. With compassion, you care for those who live. Your limitless love lets life triumph over death, heals the sick, upholds the exhausted frees the enslaved, keeps faith even with the dead. Who is like you, God of splendor and power incomparable? You govern both life and death. Your presence brings our souls to blossom. We praise you, God who rests life from death. Amen. Amen. 
Christ Haunted is produced and edited by us, Allison Duvall and Rob Colston. Questions, comments, and prayer requests can be emailed to us at podcast at christ-haunted.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, where we are at Be Christ Haunted. Music is John Stockton's Slow Drag by Chris Zabriskie. Thanks for listening. I'm Allison. I'm Rob. And, and we're, we're Christ Haunted. If Timothy comes, see that he has nothing to fear among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord just as I am. Therefore let no one despise him. Send him on his way in peace, so that he may come to see me, for I am expecting him with the brothers. Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urge him to visit you with the brothers, but he is not willing to come now.